0: Good morning church family, uh, lovely to have you here, great to look out and see you here, great to know that there are folks online, welcome to all of you, um, if you don't know who I am, my name is John and I'm one of the pastors here at the church, in fact even if you do know that, I am John and I'm one of the pastors here at the church, lovely to have you here. Um, so this morning when you got dressed, how challenging was the decision to make about what you wore, um, you know, I know some of you. or just ju- no, no. Uh, judging by what I'm seeing, no, no. You know, you didn't make a decision; you just grabbed. Um, but sometimes you like, look, um, I have this little bit of attention in my life. Is like um, because we're online now, people can check if I wore something last week. I'm sure none of you do, but seriously, that's how much of a people pleaser I am. I'm like, oh, did I wear this? Psychologists tell us we make about 35,000 decisions every day. 35,000 decisions. I picked up another interesting statistic for the United States. Um, of those 35,000 decisions that we make every day, if you live in the US, about 226.7 of those decisions will be about food. I don't know how they got to 0.7, I don't know if the person fell asleep or what, but But 35,000 decisions, and and most of those, to be honest, are not that consequential. I mean, you know, what clothes are you going to wear? But some of them are massively consequential. Some of those decisions that we have to make every day are huge. I remember standing at the end of the aisle at the old Rosebank Union Church 30-odd years ago, And seeing Colleen walking in and going, I hope I'm doing the right thing. I really did. Not because I didn't love Colleen, not because she didn't love me, not because I wasn't certain that I wanted to marry her, none of that. It was just, dude, this this changes everything. This decision changes everything about the rest of your life. And we are called to make those kinds of decisions. Not just about marriages, but about the destination of our lives and how we will live our lives. All those moral, consequential decisions that that speak to the kind of person we will be and and how we want other people to be and what is right and what is wrong in this world. We have an election later this year and, and those decisions matter. And so, how do we know we're going to make the right decisions? Well, the truth is, we believe that we can know. We can know where we should be going and how we should get there. True north is a thing. And we are wanting to begin a series over the next few weeks about finding true north, it's an important decision, it's series because we want to ask ourselves the question, is our destination correct? Are we going in the, to, to where God wants us to go? Am I right or am I wrong? Will my life matter? We want to make those decisions not by default, but with knowledge. We also think the series is important because we want to be able to ask ourselves a question, are the maps that I'm using to get where I'm going correct? Are the, the, the resources that I have, the way that I make my decisions, are they the right kinds of decisions? And, and am I making them with sound background? So one of the wonderful things about the Reveal survey that we many of you did last year for us, told us this, that our church family thinks One of the most important things we can do as a church family is is understand God's word in depth. It's one of the things that, that came top of our score, our priorities list, in terms of what people want and what we as a church think is important. Help me understand God's word in depth. Help me obey it. Help me to live it out. But that same reveal survey also said that only about 44% of our congregation very strongly agree with the statement that God's word is our authority. that's interesting, it means 66% don't agree with the statement God strongly agree. Now, don't get me wrong, the other 66% don't think that God's word is not important because everybody said it, it is important. It's just that a lot of people said what's, they don't strongly agree with that statement. And so we, we believe that as a church family, those two things kind of contradict each other, don't they? And so we want to go on a journey together to ask ourselves this question, what is our authority? Can our authority be trusted? And how do we read the maps that our authority has given us to navigate the life that is in front of us? See, the truth is, none, I don't, most people don't say, no, I just... I mean, I kind of want to follow God. I kind of want to be a Christian. I kind of want to live a good life. I think most of us, if we were really pressed, we go, no, I really do. And if I really do, then I want to do it properly. So over the next few weeks, we are going to be asking and answering that question. Is God's word worth following? Is God actually our authority? And if he is, how do we follow him? Help me understand God's word in depth. So the truth is, whether you articulate it in your brain or not, you do have an authority structure by which you make decisions. I mean, when it comes to clothes, you know, what's there? Um, Am I going to wear what I like? Um, if you're like me, a people pleaser, you're not just going to, am I going to wear what I like? <laughs> I'm going to say, am I going to wear what, other, what I think other people like? So we have these authority structures. And the truth is, for most of us, for many people, our authority structure is ourselves. I, I, I make the decisions. I'll decide what's right or wrong. Now, we all make that decision. But sometimes we go next step that says, I know what's right or wrong. And so my decision is that I will decide this because I know what's right or wrong. For many people, society is that authority. I'm going to do this because most people do it. I'm going to do it because that's the way our society says we ought to live. I'm gonna do this because because society in general says it's okay. I'm not going to do this because society in general says it's not okay. For others, it's a bit narrower than that. For some of us, it's kind of our tribe, those people that are around us closely. I'm gonna, oh, mom, I can do it because all my friends are doing it. That kind of statement. For many, God or God's are our final authority. I did it because the devil made me do it. When we say that, we're acknowledging that the devil's the authority in my life, because He told me to do it. I did it because God is my authority. The problem is, that's not always a guarantee that you do the right thing, because people have done some very, very evil things claiming God is their authority. So they say, that's why I made the decision, but they're not willing to go, well, I didn't do it the way God asked me to do it. And so in a sense, this series is also about questioning authority. You see, unquestioned authority is really very dangerous. So many people, if you ask them what is your authority, they can't tell you because they've never asked themselves the question, and so they just drift. And the truth is, when we drift in terms of what our authority is, most often we just end up making ourselves or the society around us our authority. That's kind of the default setting for humans. And the Bible warns us that that's a problem. Listen to what it says in Judges chapter 21, verse 25. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Now, I don't know if you've ever read the book of Judges, or when last you read it, but it's chaos, man. My goodness me, the stuff in that book is like, what? They really did that? Yes, they did. And, and, and the writer of the book of Judges tells you why. Because there was no authority structure in Israel at that time. And so people just did whatever they saw right in their own eyes. Even when people are followers of God, sometimes they drift. Sometimes they walk away. The book of Jeremiah is about God's people in exile after God has punished them for, for not, not living by his authority. And, and in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And so we have this warning that says to us it is really good to question authority. Uh, by that I don't mean rebel against authority, what I mean is, look into ourselves and say, where does my authority come from? Is it worth having that as an authority? And how do I live that out? Because we're a church, because we're a church family, as we find the direction that our life should go in, as we look to what is the authority, not just for our direction, but for the way that we get there, we have to say that God is our authority. I mean, that's why we're here. If you're here, in a sense, you've acknowledged that God is your authority because you're part of a church family, or you're at least seriously considering God to be an authority. You may be exploring and saying, I haven't made up my mind. But but, in, but we're not going to spend a lot of time saying trying to persuade each other that God is our authority. We, we're really going to talk about what, is the, what does it look like when we say God is our authority because we're saying that God tells us our destination if he's our authority and he also tells us how to find the way to that destination. This series is about finding the way and in particular it's about the Bible as part of finding the way. That, that the Bible, God's written word, has a particular place. It is a unique and non-negotiable place in our journey. And part of the reason we say that is that the number one indicator amongst Christians of whether they will make progress in their Christian journey, whether they will mature and become better Christians, closer to God, is how often and how well they interact with God's word. It's not the only one. Others are very important. This is not a, a silver bullet. But it is, it's an incredibly important part of the journey. And so, so while we will talk about other authorities, Over the next weeks, we wanna focus particularly in on the Bible, God's word, and how to follow it. So, over the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about how to find true north and how to get there, about choosing a direction. How do we make those choices? About choosing the maps that we're going to follow. And then, really importantly, reading those maps. Now, I have used the word maps, and I just want to acknowledge this is a multi-generational church. So for some, when you hear the word maps, read stars, you know, navigate by the stars. For others of you who can still remember how to read maps, it's actual maps. For many, it's GPS, you know. It's, it's all the same thing, guys. It's all the same thing. It's all about where do I look? to know what the right next steps are in my journey. And perhaps this is an opportunity for you as a a part of our church family to invite a friend who may be thinking about God and and, and saying, hey, I wonder, this may be a great opportunity for them to, to invite them here over the next few weeks, to go, we're on this journey about discovering God's direction and how to follow it. So, finding true north and acknowledging that God is our authority God tells us both the direction that our lives should take and the way to get there and for us that's not just any God it's the God of the Bible it's the God we read about in scripture it is one God made up of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the God who created the whole world. It's the God who created all of us, the God who sustains us, the God who who we will live with if we have a relationship with him eternally. It's that God. He is our authority, and we read about him in the Bible. And that's why the Bible is so important, because that's where we find so much of what we know and understand about who God is and how he wants us to live. But for me it's really important that we paint a bigger picture. Because the truth is the Bible is incredibly important, but it is not the only map that God gives us. God's overall statement about who he is and how we know him and how we journey with him is essentially what the Bible talks about as God's word, the word of God. And sometimes when the Bible says it, it means the Bible, but sometimes it means something bigger than that. You will notice that sometimes when you read the word, word in the Bible, uh, God's word, sometimes it has a capital, and sometimes it has it's not capitalized. And and, and that's important because sometimes it's referring to everything that God has ever said. Sometimes it's referring to Jesus himself. Sometimes it's referring to the Bible. But what's really important is that we understand how God's word works. And what I mean by that is God can't conform to scientific study norms doesn't mean that science won't teach us an immense amount about God. But God lives outside of our world. God's existence is outside of our world and the way we know God is through something called revelation. God showing himself to us. His word. Things he says about himself. Things he's made that tell us about him. And so we have to understand that any journey with God has got to involve something called faith. Faith that says I accept that I won't know everything about God. I accept that I can't prove God. But I can know him because he has shown himself to me and to millions of other people and to the world around me. And so the first step is to know that I'm dealing with God's word and that word is revelation. In other words, it's not something that can can be exclusively covered by scientific investigation. There has to be an element of me stepping out into essentially the mystical, and going God, you can be known because you reveal yourself everywhere. And so this morning, I just wanna unpack some of the places that the church historically has found God's word, what maps the church used, and where church puts its authority. And I don't mean this church, I mean all churches. Because it's really important for us to understand that as we take the next steps in our journey of of studying God's word and unpacking it and seeing it as our authority. So the first, and and for me, the others are not necessarily in an order. For me, this one has got to come first. The map that God gives us, the most important, is Jesus. The most important map of who God is, is Jesus. The Bible says that. In Hebrews chapter one, and there are lots of verses, I'm only gonna choose one because we'll get to the other verses as we go into the series. Hebrews chapter one, verse one to three says this, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us through his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by his word. Now do you see that sentence, that incredibly important sentence? Jesus is the exact representation of, of who God is. Sometimes as you read the Bible, or sometimes for me as I reflect on my own life experiences, I wonder about God's nature. You know, you read some portions of the Bible and you go, I hope God isn't as grumpy as he looks in that passage. I hope he's not looking to smite me like he smites there. And then we look at other parts of the Bible, we go how can God possibly be so patient? If it was me I would have ended those oaks a long time ago. So, so what is it? And, and that's just part of how the Bible works and we'll get to that. But if, if, if you ever get up in, if you get in one of those moments you go, it's confusing. What is God really like? We know we can never have a complete picture, we know that. But we can have a better picture and we can keep having a better picture and the way we know that is through Jesus. Because the Bible says he is the exact representation of God. And so, so in a sense Jesus is the filter that we need to look at all the other roadmaps through, Jesus is the lens we need to use as we interact with God's other revelations to, to determine the right way and the right next steps and the right direction. Historically, not a lot of churches have put Jesus first. If you look, in his, if you're one of those people like me who loves history, Anabaptist churches, don't worry, if you wanna know, we can explain later would go, Jesus. So there are a lot of churches who go, well, we won't go to war, because Jesus says if a man strikes you on the one cheek, let him strike, and, and so there are churches that have said this is the primary way, or this is our preferred way. So historically, churches have done all these things, but, but they kind of lift one. And so Jesus for me and I think for scripture is the filter through which we look at all the other maps that God gives us. The second map that God gives us is the Bible. The Bible. Churches like our church, um, what we call often call evangelical churches although that name has changed a lot in the last few years mostly because of politics but I'm not going to get into that so that that when we want to know what God is like we look in the Bible it is our primary source and in fact it's so important for us as a church family that it's part of our statement of belief In fact, it's the first thing we say in our statement of belief as a church family. We say this, we the church believe that the Bible as contained in the Old and New Testament is the fully inspired word of God. It is God breathed and is our authority for what we believe and our guide for living. Now, Now listen to those words because those words are really important because firstly, it says what's in this book, those 66 books, is breathed by God. It came from him. What's there is what God wanted to be there. What's there is what God wants to tell us. It's really, really important. But it's also important to see what's not there because it says that it is our authority for what we believe. So when we are, when we are wrestling with each other about what we believe, When we can't agree, we have to be able to go back and say, okay, let's go and look and see what the Bible says. Now, afterwards, we may still disagree, but that's where we go. We don't ever go with, I'm the senior pastor and I told you so, to win the argument, for example. We don't. We go back to God's word. And our guide for living. You notice it doesn't say... It is God breathed and therefore has all the answers to every question we may ever have precisely. It doesn't say that it answers every question we may have in a textbook way, it doesn't. And we're gonna get into the nature of the Bible in a few weeks time. I think it's actually more exciting than just simply having this textbook. Because imagine if it was a textbook that had all the questions, all the answers to all the questions. Imagine how big it would be. We would spend our whole lives looking at it. That's all we would ever, we would never have to decide anything because we'd be sitting reading. But it's not. It is something that God has given us as our authority for what we believe and as our guide for how we should live our lives. The Bible expresses it like this in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. All scripture is God breathed and is useful to answer every single no it doesn't say that. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now we're going to unpack later on in the series, how the Bible works. But it's really important to understand that saying the Bible is God-breathed doesn't mean that God dictated every word. It doesn't. There's, as far as I know, only one faith that says their scripture was dictated by God to people, and that's Islam. We don't say that. We say that God breathed, that He spoke through ordinary people like you and me but he spoke in an authoritative way so that we could know who God is and how he wants us to live. And so evangelical churches have embraced that roadmap. So one of the dangers of embracing that roadmap to the exclusion of others is that you start worshiping the Bible instead of worshiping the God of the Bible. And we'll unpack that later on in the series. So, here's this God, he reveals himself, he shows us how to live by Jesus, by giving us this revelation of Jesus. He shows us how to live by giving us this amazing book called the Bible, these 66 books that he breathed out, and it is our guide for living and our authority for what we believe. But there is also another authority that God gives us as a map, and it is the church church now I don't mean this church because if it did that would make us very powerful people way too powerful for our own good but what it means is the church God's church the Catholic church in meaning the whole church not one particular denomination and historically, Orthodox churches have, have strongly emphasized this part, the Roman Catholic Church, or the Greek Orthodox, or the Russian Orthodox. They've said that, that one of the main ways that God tells us how to live is through the church, that, that God uses the church to guide people. And, and part, that's partly true. The Bible itself tells us, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking to Peter, And he says this, I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the powers of death will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This and other passages of scripture tell us that we can't disregard the church family as part of God's roadmaps for how he wants us to live. There's Jesus. There's the Bible. There's the church. And then there's the Holy Spirit. We are told in Scripture that one of the ways we will be able to read this map is through the Holy Spirit. Now, it's often charismatic churches that embrace this as kind of the primary way. Understand that Actually, all churches use different parts of this. We all do, even when we say we don't. I always like to point out my own faults. It's much, you know, if you're gonna point out somebody else's fault, you should point out your own first. Evangelical churches will often say, no, the church has no authority. While they quote a Bible that that was given to us by the authority of the church, You know, after John wrote Revelation, that didn't all of a sudden, poof, those 66 books appeared. It it didn't. It took the church a few hundred years to sit and talk and, and discuss and pray and search before they came up with this picture of these 66 books. And it is by the church's authority, in a sense, God used the church to give us the Bible that we have. The same is with the Holy Spirit. It's so easy to say this one thing, and, and I've experienced as a pastor, I've experienced people telling me the Holy Spirit told me to do something that is not in the Bible. I, I mean, not, not in the Bible. I mean, is the Bible directly tells you you can't do it. The Bible has told me to divorce that person. The Bible has told me to cheat on my taxes. I've been told that as a pastor, no, the Holy Spirit didn't tell you that. How do I know? Well, let's go and look at what the Bible says about cheating on your taxes. But listen to the fact that the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is part of our roadmap. John 16, verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than I can now bear, than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will will make known to you. See, I love that passage because it does two things for us. Number one, it tells us that the Holy Spirit will speak to us and guide us into truth. But it also explains how all of those things interact with each other, how the Father interacts, how Jesus interacts with the Spirit, how they interact with God's written word. All of those things working together guide us into where God wants you and me to go, and how he wants us to get there. Here's one of the beautiful things about the Holy Spirit right now that we have. If you read the Old Testament, you will see that every now and again, the Holy Spirit comes on an individual person. And then everybody gets really excited. Everybody wants to go to that person because God is doing something amazing. The Bible tells us Samuel was like that. The Bible tells us David was like that different people. Sometimes the Bible just in, tells us this ordinary person, some this prophet, some of them were farmers. So it's not that you suddenly become famous, but, but God came on, on people through his Holy Spirit individually. Now, he's in all of us. I don't have to wait. I don't have to wait to hear from the Spirit. The Spirit is in every single one of us who are followers of Jesus all the time. And that's amazing. Church family, finding true north is a reality that we can pursue. We we can know how we should live. We can know the direction God wants us to take. We can know that God has given us maps that we should follow. But we should also know that God has given it to us in the form of a journey. He hasn't given us in a form of absolutes. You realize that if God gave us all the answers to all the questions and and all the right decisions to make, we wouldn't be human. We would be robots. We would. Because we would just have to follow a flow chart and it would have an inevitable ending. But you see, that's the beauty of who God is. He is sending us in a direction as real partners as real co-creators of his world finding true north isn't just simply saying to people there's god go it's it's hey Here's God, and together we can journey and follow Him. And even though all our lives are are different, none of our lives are exactly the same, we can all find the same God because we are on a journey with Him. We can be a church that that says we know where God wants us to go, and we are going there. Because God gives us His revelation, His revelation because we know that He is our authority, and we can be on that journey. You know where to start? You know where you have to start this journey? You have to start this journey where you are. You have to start this journey where you are. This morning, you may be sitting here going, ah, yeah, I I, I love God's word, I, I know all that stuff. But sometimes I read a thing and I go, whoa. Well, you may be able to go, I don't, I don't understand all that. I've tried to read the Bible, and it's like, what is going on here? You may go, I know that the Bible says that, but I'm not going to do it. You may be. I mean, you probably don't say it as aggressively as that, but that's really what's going on inside your heart. You see, the, the beauty is that, that we, the map God gives us doesn't require us to be in a certain place first. It just requires us to be honest, to say, God, I I need to follow this map. God, you are my authority, even though sometimes I struggle with your authority. God, I acknowledge the Bible is your word, but sometimes I don't get it, or sometimes I don't want to listen to it. God, I don't know how the Holy Spirit works. I have thoughts in my brain, and, and I don't know if it's just me or the Holy Spirit. That's where we start. And when we start there, we can begin to say, okay, God, I see these maps you've given me. I see that each of them works together. And God, I want to learn how this map works. And so I wanna invite you over the next few weeks to be on that journey. That journey that says, God, we know where True North is, but we want you to keep showing us. And as a church family, we are committed to finding out. We are committed to learning how to use your word better and better and we will start where we are. We know you'll guide us. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the, the, the wonder of, of your map. Thank you for the wonder of your goodness. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us and you keep showing yourself to us and that we can be on this amazing journey. God, over the next few weeks, help us to be serious about how we interact with you. Help us to be serious about how we take this journey together. Lord, help us to know that you are there, that you do speak, and that you will always guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.